Numerous reports indicate that manufacturing is emerged as the favored target of ransomware groups and hackers. In response, a new report from Industrial Media discusses the evolution of industrial cybersecurity, its current state, and the tactics hackers are using, including phishing schemes, malware, and ransomware attacks. It also details solutions in Army manufacturers with the knowledge and resources needed to win more fights on this highly complex and ultra-competitive battlefield. Download the industrial sector's new battlefield by going to manufacturing.net backslash cyber. Hi, I'm Jeff Ranke, Editorial Director of Manufacturing.net and Manufacturing Business Technology. Welcome to Security Breach. The balancing act continues when it comes to industrial cybersecurity, with the focus of many organizations split between focusing on known internal weaknesses or harnessing a better understanding of the external black hat organizations wanting to shut them down, steal data, or extort payments. We all know that these hacker groups continue to evolve in the complexity of their operations and tactics, creating a paradoxical appreciation of their innovation and ruthlessness. One stat that helps demonstrate this dynamic comes from the IBM Security X-Force Threat Intelligence Index, which shows a 94% reduction in the average time for the deployment of a ransomware attack. What took attackers over two months in 2019 now takes less than four days. Another example comes from Open Tech's 2023 Cybersecurity Threat Report that took a closer look at the notorious LockBit group. Not only have they dropped more malware than any other in the last year, but they've begun to implement triple extortion tactics. Not only do they break in and encrypt data, but also leak some of this information and then initiate a distributed denial of service attack in driving up the pressure to pay the ransom. LockBit has also pioneered the use of a bug bounty program where they'll pay as much as a million dollars to any hacker that can identify zero-day vulnerabilities within their malware strain. We're excited to announce that this episode of Security Breach is being sponsored by Palo Alto Networks. Protect your OT assets, networks, and remote operations with zero-trust OT security. Powered by AI and machine learning while offering comprehensive visibility, zero-trust security for all OT environments, and simplified operations. For more information, please visit www.paloaltonetworks.com backslash network hyphen security. Joining us to discuss these and other topics related to threat intelligence and how to prioritize it is Jonathan Tomek, VP of Research and Development of Digital Element and co-founder of ThoughtCon, a hacking and security conference hosted in Chicago. Jonathan, thanks so much for joining us today and welcome to Security Breach. I know one of your big areas of expertise is threat intelligence. So why don't we just start from the beginning a little bit, set the table in terms of how you define it and where you feel like it sort of fits into cyber uh, security planning. So threat intelligence is pretty simple. It obviously derives from just intelligence in general. Everybody likes the whole spy thing, but the <laughs> concept of what threat intel is, is being able to know what threats are out there and how you can apply it to not just your organization, but to say, hey, these are bad things that are going to come at me. I should know about these threats and how can I apply it and protect myself? And we know this has evolved a great deal. Just looking at these organizations, they've become much more complicated. Their tactics have evolved over time. What have you seen as being some of the biggest areas that have changed uh, when looking at the threat intelligence uh, landscape? Wow. The industry has just been changing over the past decade. Um, we've come from like more of a manual approach where a lot of uh, teams would be go digging into finding out like who and what's behind these activities. Um, as time has been evolving, we've had a lot more automation that's been thrown in. 
So companies have come up with ways to do um, like orchestration, making things a lot more easy to detect and respond to, which also gives you more indicators to look at. Um, we've even had more coverage. I mean, the internet's been growing rapidly, right? So we've got more mobile devices out there, more IoT devices. So all that's being kind of like added to the fire. So as we're evolving, I mean, it's just kind of like this, I like to call it big cat and mouse game that it always keeps going. Like we add more here, we try to defend here. So it's uh, more data, more indicators, more stuff to try to protect, more vectors of attack. Absolutely. And I think, you know, especially in the industrial sector where cybersecurity has really become a bigger topic, it should have been before, but really it's been over the last probably two to three years, it's, it's really escalated in significance and, and getting more conversation around it. There's sort of a, a division, if you will, in terms of priorities, in terms of looking internally at a lot of the soft spots and the vulnerabilities versus also worrying externally about all those threat actors that are out there. What advice could you offer in terms of sort of establishing your priorities and, and where could they, where should you be focused on maybe first and, and how does it all fit together? Sure. So I like to think that uh, companies are not much different than humans in the same way. You know, you treat yourself right, you do the normal exercise, you'll be healthy about things. Companies have the same premise, right? The healthier you are as an organization, the better you are about thinking ahead, the better off you're going to be. Like some of the lowest hanging fruit, such as have good password policies. That's a pretty basic thing for a lot of people is an easy fix. Um, but companies, I, I like to say that security is kind of like a facade in a way where the better the people are that are working on whatever it is, such as um, your network, the better they are, the better skills that they have, they know how how to secure things. I mean, yes, there are actors that are outside that are trying to break in, but they're usually looking for like the lowest hanging fruit. So if you're constantly rotating through, um, let's see, like IT administrators for an organization, you're probably not going to necessarily have good policies in place because you're rotating through people. So you can see that those are some of the biggest problems that I'd say that organizations uh, face. But in addition to that, if those are your biggest problems, that also means that the data that's coming into your organization um, is probably not that good either. So your problem they're not really securing the organization, even if um, you might have a basic organization itself that's like, oh, well, we outsource the security to an MSSP. Well, that means you're not keeping your own hygiene either. You know, you might not be practicing what you preach. So it kind of balances itself. So any organization that's going to be healthy is going to have really, I'm not going to say really good security, but just you're going to be better amongst everybody. Yeah. So really those two dynamics feed off of each other. If you're taking care of one, you're really taking care of the other because you're exposing a lot of those other issues that need to be addressed before you move forward in either direction, really. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. When we look at some of these external actors and some of the different attacks that have gotten a lot of notoriety lately, and some that haven't, some that are still under the radar a bit, is there anything that's kind of lighting up your radar in terms of this is a trend I see, this is really concerning? So, yes, cutting the budgets is probably the biggest thing right now. Yeah. Um, as the economy is doing its thing, right, a lot of places are cutting it back at the places that they don't think that they need to spend. Um, not to say security is the overarching thing, but you can see like some people are laying, some organizations are laying people off or um, you might have hey, maybe till next year, we might not get this potential security appliance that actually really will help us secure our 
organization. Um, I'm seeing a lot of that. So I wouldn't be surprised that also with these people being laid off, that some of them are going to, I'll say, go to the dark side because <laughs> with that is insider threat. <laughs> and with that is also potential for, hey, there's malicious intent here. I'm going to sell some information or I still know the vulnerabilities of these organizations. You know, there's that would be my best guess at what's going to be coming right. up in the next year or a couple of years. Well, it's interesting because that really butts heads against this huge gap in, in hiring people that we have for cybersecurity, especially on the OT side. Have you seen any best practices or things that companies are trying to do to mitigate the fact that we don't have enough bodies that really understand OT security to plug them in and help solve some of these problems? Right. There's oh, That industry is just as <laughs> itself a really hard nut to crack because... Yeah. You've got technology that can never be updated. You've got yeah. very few people that are updating it. You've got the companies that are coming out that are trying to protect it. And the best way to do it, even with the, um, uh, I'm not say mandates, but what the government's trying to do is inject money into it to protect this uh, critical infrastructure. We have to figure out what, how to scale. And some of the places that are coming out are, places that are kind of saying, hey, we're going to be the central gateway. So any kind of communications that goes to these devices, will it'll have to go through there. That might be a best approach. I mean, yes, that will help reduce the amount of people that are going to it, uh, into that area. But is that the right answer? I don't necessarily know. I mean, if, if there was an easy answer, I'm sure we would be doing it right now. But um, that's kind of the way I'm seeing it is a lot of these legacy devices and I'm going to say legacy people because they know it the best and sometimes they're the ones that built it are trying to come up with a central like a centralized solution that can help automate this. And there's a few of them out there that are pretty decent. So, Well, and that's interesting because the more automation that's bringing that you bring in, potentially the more vulnerabilities that come with it. And it creates this interesting dynamic, especially when you're looking at a plant floor with all these connection points that leave you open to potentially more soft spots in the security. Have you seen companies maybe scale back on some of the automation in response to these concerns or are you still seeing them push full, push ahead full bore just because they see the benefits long term i see a lot more automation definitely coming into play i mean there's there's no reason to it's a big cost savings yeah. it helps uh defeat alert fatigue for a lot of the analysts or whoever is doing any kind of security um the I, i'd say part of that challenge though outside of going the automation route is it's the manual approach. It's where people are kind of cutting back and saying, Hey, don't lead with security first. Like if some of these places said, Hey, we're going to develop this tool with security in mind right out the get-go, you'll be yeah. able to protect it. So that's kind of like that chain going forward, but it still doesn't, yeah, I still see a lot more of the automation. Definitely. Well, that's such a positive change in mindset as well, getting away from a lot of those manual processes, because then the human element of cybersecurity comes into play as well. In terms of, you, you touched on passwords and, and things like that. Have you seen organizations place a greater priority on just informing and educating employees as well in terms of their role in cybersecurity and what they can do to help help an organization be more secure and fend off some of these attacks? Yeah, I've definitely seen a lot more organizations try to help inform their employees like this is how you be secure whether or not they're going to listen i don't know i think a lot of people just go hey i'm taking this test on phishing attacks i've heard it so many times um yeah you might not necessarily need to know about some of the bigger threats that are out there but for what it's worth i mean um 
organizations outside of just the education are trying to apply like password policies or single sign-on, which is some of the best stuff that's out there. But I still think some people don't realize the, that they are possibly the single vector that can let people break into organizations. They're like, well, it's just, I'm just me. I work in this or part of the organization. It's not really that big a deal. So they don't understand that yet. They kind of just look at it as, oh, I have to be more secure. That's it, yeah. you know, but that's a person problem, not a company problem. They're still doing, the companies are doing the right things, I think, there. No, it's going to be interesting to see how that evolves over time as well. Hopefully the message begins, uh, starts to get through because we still see so much going on with phishing attacks and that's dropping malware and screwing up a lot of things. So hopefully folks are getting a little bit more informed and more sensitive to a lot of those dynamics. Um, hopefully. Yeah. <laughs> one, of the, one of the biggest threats uh, for manufacturing has been ransomware. It's gone off the charts in the last three years, a lot more sensitivity to it. In your experience, what has been people's response to ransomware in general? Are they getting better at responding to it? Are they getting better? At, are they defending against it specifically? Or what's been the overall, I guess, reaction to the spike in ransomware attacks? Wow, great question because I'm going to say it's loaded because it kind of is splitting the divide. Some organizations are definitely taking it seriously. So they're doing some of the right moves trying to prevent it from happening. Um, but I also see the complete opposite end, such as what we're seeing in the hospital trend, why hospitals are definitely getting hit right now. That might be due to political reasons that are happening around the world, but I'll say that um, some organizations just don't put security, they don't even care about security in some ways. So they're the ones that are getting targeted. And unfortunately, ransomware being as destructive as it is, is like the lowest kind of um, attacks that are going to be out there because they're uh, these organizations just go, oh, it's going to happen. Might as well just do what I can and take some of the insurance money. It's even though people's lives are at stake, it's yeah. it's really odd to see it split that way. But that's why we're seeing it a lot more in the news is because if if it's something critical, critical infrastructure being not just hospitals, but just OT, if it's going to shut down, say, a power station, then it's going to make the news. But other places that are actually they have the money to secure this stuff that actually know that this is a big problem, they're doing it. So that's why I say that divide exists. Absolutely. Well, we've been talking a lot about the bad guys. Let's talk about some of the good guys here. Uh, what can you tell us a little bit about Digital Element, some of the work that you're doing on the cybersecurity front? Sure. So Digital Element, uh, it's been around for close to two decades, I think a little over that. And they are probably, if the, the reason I work with them, I believe they them to be the best in the GeoIP location uh, arena. So the whole premise is to say, hey, this is not just where an IP address is generally like, hey, it might be in this state, it might be in this country. It's it's tries to get as precise as possible, being privacy focused so that we can figure out what is actually behind an IP address to give it some more context. And then some of the things that I work on are enabling us to know, hey, is this a VPN or proxy? Like um, what kind of VPN or proxy to say, is this malicious, nefarious, a residential proxy potentially because some of those are actually nefarious activities. Um, so applying all of that data to as, as a, uh, a complement to all the intelligence work that you might have out there. So uh, a good way to look at it is you might have all this threat intelligence data, you might have some special phishing emails. 
applying some of that information on the IP address to say, not only do we know where it came from, it was a hosting provider, but they were using XYZ uh, VPN to be able to say, we're attacking you. And then you could kind of focus it to say, oh, this is the whole provider hitting us. Yeah. It's kind of, it's a fun area. So that's the whole goal is to be as good as possible, help others like us. Yeah. Well, it's kind of that data mining that hackers like to do, but in reverse, you're finding out more about them and, and setting up defenses. Very interesting. Right. I also understand you're involved with a uh, conference that, that takes place in Chicago every year, ThoughtCon. Uh, you want to tell us a little bit about that as well? Sure. It's, uh, well, Chicago's biggest hacking conference. It's, I like to think it's my favorite conference. I know I'm a little biased there, but uh, it's it's definitely a lot of fun. Um, we're I'm going to be holding it biannually now. We just made that decision, so we're going to not have it uh, next year, 2024, but skip one year. But basically, it's completely um, focused for the attendee. So if you're going to be going there and um, enjoy the conference, it's all about you learning. Like there's no there's no vendors there. We like to make it so that if it's both the most like intimate conference where you can actually talk to the speakers, where you feel like oh, wow, I'm going to get more out of this or get a little bit more hands-on or play some of the puzzles just to basically encourage you to grow as not just like a security individual because it's not just focused on cybersecurity, but grow in the security mindset as a whole and then also network really well. So that's the idea behind it. Awesome. So kind of wrapping things up, this has been awesome, Jonathan. Really appreciate the time. But let's get your thoughts on a couple of bigger trends that are really playing a big part of cybersecurity. The first one, you can hardly not have this conversation, but I'm surprised it hasn't come up already. But artificial intelligence and the role that it's going to play on both sides of the fence is something really interesting that's going on right now. What's your perspective there? Is it is it going to help the bad guys more than the good guys? Are we on equal playing field there? What, what are your thoughts? I'd love to say we're on a neutral playing field because some people are still really trying to figure out what it is. Some people think of it as this grand savior when I'd like to think it's a little bit more like a uh, fancy autocomplete in some ways because okay. it's only as good as the data that's put in there. Yeah. But it has enabled a lot of both good and a lot of bad things to happen. So it's really in the, it, it's a tool. So tools can be used in good and uh, good ways and bad ways. So. I think it's just a race to figure out who can create the better or worse thing. It's it's going to be it's it's now here. So it's yeah. just a matter of who's going to be using it more. We've already seen it in a lot of new phishing attacks that are really really powerful. I'll say that I've I know that there's going to be some uh what deep fakes that are going to be coming out really well in voice cloning. So you're going to see that, but at the same time, you have all this AI that's going to be helping with the automation and like figuring out, hey, is this actually a bad thing? Or maybe finding things that a regular human wouldn't know. So like I said, it's, it's kind of in the middle. I, I hate being that like dead center on a few of my issues, but it's, it's kind <laughs> well, of true. Yeah, It really is, a, it comes down to like who's behind it. And I'll, I'll say some people are really going the, um, the way of, if you're losing your job, you're gonna probably wanna go some of the nefarious ways. That's it, but companies want the AI part and there's good people that are playing with it so no it's gonna be interesting to see how that also continues to evolve it seems to be sort of the the main theme of our conversation but it's it's just the way the uh, cybersecurity elements are, are going right now so the world is going that way yeah yeah another one i wanted to get your thoughts on that are, it's really becoming a bigger struggle for manufacturers as they're bringing in 
a lot uh, more newer components, more automation and technology-focused um, assets, and they're connecting it to legacy equipment. It's a lot of the patches that are coming down the pike from suppliers. And we face issues, well, we don't like to shut down to install patches, but we got to install the patches or we're going to get shut down by the hackers. So do you have any insights there or best practices in terms of how to handle some of the processes involved with installing these patches? Sure. So I'll, I'll even take a step back and say it's not always just about the patch because sometimes you might not have a patch. So yeah. thinking of from another way, like if the company went defunct, how do you patch equipment that doesn't even have a supplier? Well, isolating the networks is crucial, right? Making sure that it's not connected to the internet unless it absolutely has to be. If it has to be, have some sort of a gateway so that that is going to protect you so that you're watching the traffic that's going through it making sure that not only the, the proper users aren't connecting to it, and if there are, make sure that's really locked down. So really, isolation is going to be key at any of the OT areas. Unfortunately, as regular people, we don't really separate a lot of things because it's easier just to throw it up. But that's going to be your biggest bet. I mean, with protecting and being able to patch these devices, it's first make sure the environment's clean, and then you can slowly do these rolling updates. It's, I mean, that's that's kind of the best practice that I could ever recommend. Sure. And it would allow for this stuff to uh, not only be easier, but just safer in general. Yeah. No, it'll be interesting to see how that continues to play out as well. Last question I, I've got for you here, Jonathan. I know that we're always sort of chasing the hacker, right? They're always one step ahead of us a little bit. But in your opinion, from your perspective, are we getting closer? Are, are we getting better at not being so far behind the hacker? Are we, have we been gaining ground in the last couple of years, I guess? Well, that it is a cat and mouse game. That's literally yeah. what it is. It's not that the hackers are more advanced than us. It's just that we continuously fail to keep stopping the lowest hanging fruit. I mean, yeah. the still one of the biggest, most uh, easiest attack vectors is like password reuse. The amount of people, I, I will say it's probably close to 100% of people that have reused passwords in the world is, is really problematic. And it doesn't only just apply to you. It can apply to people in your family. It can apply to whomever like is in your organization. But those, until we can solve some of the lowest hanging fruit, it's not that hackers are like one step ahead of us. I mean, yeah, there's espionage actors out there. Yeah, there are... Uh, like really hyper intelligent people trying to break in precision strike. I mean, but you're gonna always, ha always have that. It's it's not that they're one step ahead. They still have to figure out how to get in. But because of these low hanging fruit, I mean, I'm gonna say that's why the hackers are ahead of us is because of that. So that's that's the biggest thing. And there's too many things to cover yeah. in whether it's the OT space or just in general. It's our work and our home lives are bleeding. So if you hit somebody in their home life, you've now affected their work life so yeah hackers are going to be ahead until you kind of sanitize your own life and everybody understands that you are potentially a, a victim or a threat to a bigger organization well i think that's great perspective because sometimes this can become so daunting we don't know where to start there is a place to start start with the little stuff and move from there and slowly by you know little by little you can gain some ground and at least feel more reassured of what you're doing uh, to keep your keep your company and your personal data as, as secure as possible. So absolutely, excellent, Jonathan. We've had kind of a wide ranging conversation. This has been great. Touched on a lot of stuff. Anything we missed? Anything else you'd like to talk about in terms of trends or, or things that are sort of on your radar right now? If there's anything, I know that a big question is is how we're going to find the analysts of the future. How are we going to find the people to fill in these seats that keep 
sitting void. Well, fantastic because we don't, nobody knows that answer. I mean, the problem is it's not just our industry, it's everywhere else. Um, but if you're looking to find the people like that, I would definitely start looking at the, the hacking conferences, like start talking to the people that are, you're not used to and figure out how to network into that arena because people will come to those places because they want to help. It's, it's surprisingly not as hard to find people as it is to find people that want to make a difference at your organization. So it's kind of like a mutual benefit. So that, if anything, would be a really critical point to bring up. Thanks, Jonathan. And for more information on Digital Element and their offerings, you can go to digitalelement.com. And for information on ThoughtCon, the website is thoughtcon.org. That's T-H-O-T-C-O-N.org. Thank you for joining us today. And to catch up on past episodes, you can go to manufacturing.net, ien.com, or mbtmag.com. You can also check Security Breach out wherever you get your podcasts, including Apple, Amazon, and Overcast. If there's a topic or story that you'd like to see us explore on Security Breach, you can contact me at jeff at ien.com. For Jonathan Tomek, I'm Jeff Ranke, and this is Security Breach.